welcome back to the Spectators podcast series for our Economic Innovator of the Year Awards for 2022. I'm Martin Vanderwehr, business editor of The Spectator, and as ever, it's my pleasure to introduce this podcast covering the Yorkshire and Northeast region, for which we met at the Dakota Hotel in Leeds, and we met three of the four finalists over a splendid lunch. They each delivered pitch of about 15 minutes, including some Q&A from our distinguished judges. We heard from Testcard in the healthcare sector, a company called Product Global, whose product is called Mud Daddy, so that's how we'll refer to it, and the Tofu Company. After lunch, we met a fourth finalist by Zoom, Powersheds from Bradford, who weren't able to come to lunch because they were busy developing new business in the United States. So it was a pleasure to meet all four and our esteemed panel of judges today for this region were Gordon Black, uh, former manufacturer of a variety of products, mostly for Marks & Spencer, now venture capitalist, Caroline Theobald, who chairs the Newcastle Business School at Northumbria University and is also an entrepreneur and representing our sponsors Investec, Michelle White, Dan Sheehan and Rowena Houston. So you'll hear all their voices on this podcast. Right, thank you very much. So four companies to talk about on this podcast. The first we heard from is the Tofu Company, T-O-F-O-O, Tofu Company represented by Dave Nibbs, co-founder with his wife Lydia. The company is based in a small market town in North Yorkshire called Moulton that I know very well, which has turned itself from a dying market town with a bypass 30 years ago to the food capital of Yorkshire, a proud claim. It's full of interesting foodie businesses from ice cream and macaroons to tofu a food product well known to anyone interested in Asian cuisine, Japanese and Chinese cuisine, much less familiar in Europe and in the UK. He told us that he and his wife, having worked in the food business in different jobs over a long period of time, looked for an opportunity, found one with a a baker in York who'd started a small business making tofu. They've moved it into an industrial unit at Moulton. It employs over a hundred people. It's a very fast growing enterprise. I think something like 18 million pounds of turnover. And it's right on the zeitgeist in terms of diet these days. People looking for meat substitutes for other forms of protein. And really a very interesting and entertaining story that we heard. Uh, mine and my wife's background was food. I'd done a few entrepreneurial things in the past and I was keen to do it again. So I said to Laid, look, you know, we've got great experience. Why don't we do something on our own? So I went on the internet and put in uh, local food and drink businesses for sale in the north of England. There was a craft brewer there and a sandwich filler manufacturer and sat amongst it. This is back in 2015 was an artisan tofu manufacturer in Moulton and meat free back then was kind of in its really in its embryonic phases as a, as a market it was only 100 million 
and we felt with a new brand behind it that what we could do was take it out to millennials and, and Gen Z. And the more we did research on it, the more we realized that they weren't being served as a grouping. And sustainability is at the heart of the decision-making of a lot of Gen Z. Whereas vegans and vegetarians that grew up through the 60s were more bothered about the ethics of eating meat, actually the younger consumers much more concerned about the environment. And so something that was developed that would celebrate how wonderful it was as a food ingredient and get them cooking with it, but also focused on sustainability and building something like that, we felt was a, was a fabulous opportunity. It's a product that's made out of water, soybean, and an extract of sea salt. The soybean imported from Canada, largely, might be grown here if climate change makes that possible. Definitely a business for the future. So I'm going to ask Michelle to comment on it first. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, brilliant business here that the husband and wife team have built. They invest, well, they bought the company effectively back in 2016, he mentioned, when the turnover was about half a million pounds. And as you say, they've grown that to over 18 million pounds just six years later. So I absolutely loved his, his line where he talked about how the, the focus in the sort of tofu industry had always been on health, so that the previous company was basically selling into health shops. And they looked at that business model and said, the scale opportunity here is if we change the focus from health to taste. And obviously they're um, doing a great job in terms of success on that journey. Growing industry, as you mentioned, a hundred million pound sort of meat-free market back in 2015 now is around 360 million pounds in size. Six to seven percent of that is currently being spent on tofu and they've got a massive north of 50% share of that so absolutely incredible success in um, six years so I was very impressed. Rowena? Yes I, I really like this company for many reasons mainly because I could see its impact on my own life. It's a food product I've never cooked with and I think there'll be plenty of people in that situation and I think as we all kind of shift our focus onto more sustainable more healthy but not giving up the taste as Michelle just alluded to I'm really fascinated to see where this can go because I, I think people's minds are open now to this kind of product and and I think they can really make inroads. And um, Gordon if you were advising this company what would you see as its biggest challenge to growth? I think that they've got a very good foundation now but to really maintain their margins is going to be difficult in this environment um, where raw materials and all costs are going up. And I think that they now need to go to the next stage and raise serious money. And I think they're at a critical stage, but it's a business a lot to admire. He's very dynamic. He's got a very good background. He's trained by Mars, and um, I was most impressed, really. You wanted to come back, Michelle? I was just saying, I mean, it would be remiss maybe in the latter half of September 2022 to, to not talk more about the, the inputs here. So you mentioned the soybeans. They're paying for those in, in US dollars. And obviously he was talking about the fact that that's a massive challenge at the moment. Well, it has been this year as sterling has weakened, but particularly as we sit here and it being um, on its way to parity, that's a big challenge for them and their margins this year. Yeah, so... Really interesting business, and it, 
one of its challenges, I thought, is how to get people to eat tofu. Mm -hmm. It's familiar to me. I used to live in Japan. Most people have never touched it. They see it. It's a wobbly white block. They think, what on earth do I do with that? So he needs a lot of social media activity, influencers. He probably needs a celebrity chef on his team somewhere. But great, great business, great story. So let's move on to the next one. This is the company name is Product Global, and the product is Mud Daddy, which is essentially a portable dog cleaner, a plastic container with a pump, with a nozzle for cleaning your dog, or indeed cleaning your horse or your golf clubs or anything else that a portable cleaner would be good for. Our guest to talk about it was the founder of the company, Reza or Rez Gatchkar from Newcastle. His car broke down on the way. Uh, and he arrived remarkably calm for a man who sat beside the motorway for half an hour waiting for the AA and gave us a very compelling tale of how he and his wife sold their house to put their capital into this business. They invested in patent, design, trademarks and so on and they've watched it grow at a phenomenal rate because people have dirty dogs that need cleaning and they filled a niche. There was no product that was a portable dog cleaner on Amazon, you know, drop-down menus until they introduced one. Uh, well, if you are a dog lover, you know what's the issue with the mud and the crazy dirt in the kitchen and in dirt all over the houses. But around four, four and a half years ago, I had a German shepherd in Newcastle. Loved the mud, loved the dirt, but my wife wasn't happy with the, all the dirt inside the house. So my understanding was already product exists in the market. And I went out and I couldn't find anything. And I said, it has to be the gap. So sold the house, 120,000 cash. I put all in and wife didn't divorce. But <laughs> <laughs> if I was instead of her, I would. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I spent all on a patent, design, trademark, and uh, production. We didn't realize that how big a market portable washing device can be. For example, in the middle of COVID, we got the uh, email from Tesla that are we happy to put Tesla brand on the Mod Daddy and 250,000 pieces for their Tesla car. Unfortunately, we don't have that resource. We don't have that. We couldn't even manage our own order, never mind lower margin Tesla owner. That took our mind completely out of the uh, dog market. Yes. Uh, still, we are focusing on the dog, but car ownership is something 10 times bigger than dog. So this was a fun story. It was a husband and wife enterprise story, and we loved hearing about it. Let's start with Dan this time. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, I was really impressed with Rez, the way he you know, talked so passionately about the product. Not only the product they've got at the moment, but the the, um, the pipeline of new products they want to bring to market. Um, he's clearly a, a innovator and an inventor, having come up with this, having had muddy dogs and being told off for letting them in the kitchen with muddy feet to come up with an idea from from nothing. He's got no history working in the industry. It's fantastic, and and it clearly putting his house on the line literally to to fund and get the business going just shows remarkable strength, belief and commitment from a from an entrepreneur, a true entrepreneur. So yeah, very impressed. And clearly he's developed a highly profitable business now. He's been very careful around patents because yeah, that is one thing that they have to be careful of in terms of when you create effectively a category, 
and you are very successful at it, people will want to copy and come behind and, and pick up from where you're driving the market growth. So um, they're right to be pretty firm around patents and things like that. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic business. Big question for me is where does it go from here? Will there be uh, new entrants that start to compete with them? But you know, Dyson started, if you remember, with that wheelbarrow with a with a ball on, and I think Res has got the capability to take Mud Daddy into lots of different areas, and his his fantastic relationship with the customer and collection of data around the customer is is really part of that. Caroline. Yeah, real passion here, selling your house for 120000 sticking it into a business and six years later growing it into a business with a £15 million turnover, not bad. And I was really impressed. He's completely data-driven. Surrounded himself with trusted advisors who are standing by him shoulder to shoulder every, or him and his wife and his team of, well, his total team of seven on a turnover of £15 million. So he's, the business is doing very well. Dan, you talked about the people who are trying to knock him off his perch and he's now got the cash flow that he can see them off, but he's obviously having to account for that. And again, picking up on your point earlier, the cost of sales at the moment are extraordinary because he's manufacturing in China. And I mean, I can't remember the figures he he quoted, but the pallet increase has just been phenomenal. So looking at new manufacturing. dollars to $20,000 increase. That's what it's a container. Yeah. yeah. So phenomenal. But what what a great business. And it filled us with fun. And we just thought about that wonderful acronym, KIS, keep it simple, even though the backstory is anything but. And Gordon, you, you picked up on this question of only being able to manufacture in China. Yeah. In I effect. Think how big a how big a problem is that? Yeah, well, I, I was business? impressed. He's very charismatic, he's very passionate, he made a good presentation under pressure. The product is recession resistant, really. It's not that mainstream, but pets at these times have done well. I think his challenges are to build a team. It's a, it's nothing grows in the shade of an oak tree, and I think he's really got to confront the supply problem, because China, the problems of China won't go away, and um, I think he's got. That's where the real challenge will come: making sure he can manufacture somewhere else in Europe or somewhere because that's going to be a big constraint unless that's sorted out. Very good. So our, our third guest today was Dr. Andrew Botham. His company is called TestCard. He is a medical doctor who has become an entrepreneur. The business is based just outside Scarborough, again in North Yorkshire, at East Ayton. And it is in the business of producing tests for home use that come in the form of something quite like a postcard or a test strip inside a postcard-sized package linked to an app. And the first products are tests for urinary tract infections and for pregnancy. They can be supplied direct to the customer or through a pharmacy. The customer or patient can then, for simple infections, a UTI and so on, get treatment straight from the pharmacy. So one of the things that this kind of product does is relieve pressure on GPs, help GPs use their time more efficiently. It also encourages men who are bad at healthcare. Andrew told us men don't like to get tested for things. The simpler you can make it, the more sort of app connected through the mobile phone and so on, more men will get themselves tested. So it's going to move into 
bladder and prostate cancer testing is the next stage. It's pivoted from trying to be wholly direct to consumer to working through uh, pharmacy groups. Every major pharmacy except Boots is now a partner. Also Roche, the great Swiss pharma giant, is a partner for various new ventures. So this is a business we've met before. We liked it before. We were very interested to see how it had developed since we first met. So Testcard, I'd like to say it was formed accidentally. At the time, I was working for the NHS, running the blood services for uh, Hull and East Yorkshire Trust. And my co-founder does have an entrepreneurial background. And we were having a conversation over a family meal. All of our family were together about how bad men were engaging in healthcare. We don't do the things we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do them. In fact, it's killing us. You know, it, uh, the biggest killer of men under the age of 40 is actually suicide because we don't talk about things. Prostate cancer has now been promoted to being kill more people than breast cancer because we don't do anything about it. So TestCard was formed. TestCard is a flat pack diagnostic device, which is in a postcard format along with a mobile phone application. So this can be posted to anyone. And our first ones onto the market are a UTI test and a pregnancy test. So this is a test for urinary tract infection. The technology that we use for this has been tested by Roche Diagnostics, who are the biggest one of the biggest diagnostic companies in the world and found to be as good as, well, for accuracy, exactly the same as their professional use bench terminal readers that they use in hospitals, but we have a higher level of reliability. So we both agree what the right result is, but we're more likely to get the right result when we test more times. So let's start with Rowena this time. Thank you, yes. I did really like this business because I can see of all of the businesses, it's scalability around the world. I can see the international application of this. It, it will just break down so many barriers to, to healthcare, not just for men in the UK, but, but when you think about the third world and how inaccessible medical treatment is, I think this has got real legs. If it can get the scale and that, that will come in many different ways, I'm sure, as they grow. But they've really got something. It's The regulatory hurdles must be huge, and they've got over all of that. We were having a chat at the end about data and data protection, and again, their solution doesn't hold personal data. It holds test results, which aren't linked to the person. So again, from that point of view, it all stacked up very nicely. And the fact that they can just drop their technology into other bits of technology, front end user technology, they can just drop in behind that. So again, it, it should be adaptable to most healthcare systems or healthcare providers. So yeah, I can really see the future for this. And, and you know, they're quite small at the moment, but the growth that they're projecting is huge. Thank you. Caroline, you met them last year. You've heard the story again. What's your reaction? Building on what Rowena says, I mean, this business, is, he talked about pivot, Andrew, it's done more than that. It's changed itself from a product manufacturing based business into software as a service and is really exploiting what's special about it which is the technology and I can see now exactly to your point Rowena that last year he talked about the the impact this could have in third world countries and I just couldn't get it because I was stuck on the product Mm. as soon as you start mentioning people like Roche and going in behind partners like that you immediately begin to see the global potential for the business. It's just really exciting, really exciting to see somebody 12 months after we first met being a very, sort of almost a very different business, although they're doing the same thing. Gordon? I agree with Caroline. I think it was very compelling. This is a game changer product. 
It's very relevant to today, very mainstream. The fact that Roche have joined up with them is a marvellous advert, and a marvellous mm -hmm. visiting card. I was impressed by Andrew. He's a strategic thinker, and I think the business has a good direction of travel. I asked him, it's very clear where he wants the business to be in five years' time, and I thought it was uh, an excellent presentation altogether. Dan, a last word from you. Yeah, I was just very interested about the financing of, you know, tech companies can soak up a lot of capital, and they have raised money from VCs, but I think the approach with Roche is really interesting, effectively getting their customer to fund their innovation and R&D. And clearly that comes with some limitations, but it's, uh, it's obviously much less dilutive than taking money from uh, equity providers. Fine. Well, thank you all very much for your comments on those three. Do join us again. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.